The following episode of FOFOP is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen shaped hole, and mild coarse language. FOFOP advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Hello and welcome to Fofop. I am Will Anderson and joining me on the show today, due to popular request, there has actually been a lot of people asking for this to happen. So here you are. This is actually happening. Uh, guest Charlie number one returns to Fofop. Uh, how are you, Dave Anthony? Oh, I'm great. <laughs> how are you? World's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, yeah, I can't. I, I mean, I, the, I was, I was, I thought it was strange that people were asking us to, to get back and talk because I don't know what to talk about. Yeah, I mean, there's just not much going on. I mean, obviously everything's going well with American yeah. politics, and on a global scale, everything is yeah. business as usual. So, I can't imagine this. Yeah, it, it occurred to me. That the most famous episode of Fofop, which was the one that we recorded in the hotel room at the Standard, that was <laughs> destroyed by the internet itself for being the saddest hour and a half conversation two men had ever had. Like, like this is a hotel room where a lot of lonely and sad things have probably happened over the years. It's a hotel room on the Sunset Strip. You're telling me it hasn't seen some horrible loneliness, but that day <laughs> with the, the worst. two of us <laughs> catastrophizing about the future of the fucking world and now if we release that podcast people would be like we yearn for the world you're describing <laughs> hey where's that joyous podcast where you talked about climate change for an hour and a half oh, man yeah who knew it could get this bad well we did <laughs> and the scientists the scientists have known right. for ages right there's a lot of people who did yeah 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 but they didn't tell anybody apart from all those reports and committees and constant <laughs> attention towards it and the great thing is that now that something much worse or at least immediately worse is happening we've just forgotten about the fact that uh my country was on fire three months ago <laughs> i know i know everyone's like Hey, uh, climate change? Cli remember climate change? Oh, yeah, very much. That's all I'm thinking about right now. I'm totally freaked out about climate change because our fires start soon. We're, we're about yeah. to hit fire season, and we're not supposed to leave our house. Yeah, you can see the issue there. <laughs> <laughs> can you see the issue? Did you know the Gulf of Mexico is the warmest it's ever been? Uh, Marvel's Avengers Endgame might have actually been the most prophetic, futuristic movie of all because <laughs> like, the planet is doing a Thanos on us. Like Half of us are going to be gone uh, oh, by the oh. end of the year, and it does not care what it has to throw at us. Fires, floods, icebergs, whatever it is, pandemic diseases, you motherfuckers are going to be, half of you are going to be gone by the end of this year. That is it. Half of you are fucking out. Yeah, it's, 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 it's the earth was like, okay, you guys are clearly not taking care of this. I got this. It's going to be so easy. It's going to be hard for you guys, but for me, the earth, super easy, kind of fun. My wife walked by the other day and she said, uh, you know there's going to be an earthquake now, right? And I was like, guys, she's totally right. There's going to be an earthquake now. <laughs> this is when the big one happens. 
there is some, you know, I mean, there's a lot of dissenting information at the moment and it's hard to know exactly what the truth is and, and I don't profess to know, you know, exactly what the truth is. But there's been a lot of cases, obviously, of immediate impacts on the environment by us shutting down stuff, right? Like cleaner air, cleaner yep. rivers, cleaner oceans, these sort of things. We've seen some real and some faked, you know, photos of, you know, there were no dolphins in like Venice or whatever, but like the water's heaps cleaner. Oh, there weren't? No, no, the dolphins were not in Venice. Oh, I thought they were actually, oh, that it wasn't real? The water was clean and someone overreached. Someone whacked a fucking dolphin in there and spoiled it for everybody. <laughs> well, uh, well, it was a fun story. But, but you know, I mean, you're in Los Angeles. Like, is it noticeable outside the difference in the pollution level based on the fact that people aren't out and about? It's night and day. It's literally night and day. It's it's like you would not believe it if you were, if you came here. You would just be like, "What is this?" Like it's really insane. So it shows how quickly we can change things, right? Yes. Like we've been talking about this idea of getting getting everything back to you know this particular percentage that every country, except every country, doesn't agree. But you know we and we have these targets, and we go twelve years. We've got to wind it back to this. But this has kind of shown that there might be another approach, which is. The fucking massive shutdown. Yeah. Like, and that's maybe a way we're going to, rather than us easing this back over a period of time and, you know, just assuming that we can lose a couple of countries and, you know, have some climatic weather events and all these sort of things. Maybe the idea is that we do have to shut the planet down once a month, like, or, or you know, a month every year or whatever it is. Maybe that's now part of what our future climate plan is going to be. I mean, maybe, or we just have to shut it down as people who are like, I'm not going to partake in you destroying the world anymore i'm gonna help shut it down activists okay so tell me uh, where your head is at about because for good or for ill this has to change everything like the only thing that i can't countenance is that everything goes back to complete normal but i can see the desire from some members of the community you know some special interests and people who have political you know barrows to push and these sort of things to return return us to what they consider to be normal as soon as possible so nobody really concentrates yeah. on Oh my God, the system that we had set up was complete and utter fucking bullshit on every fucking level. And we're now seeing how bullshit this whole fucking system is. And and they're terrified, it seems to me, that if we, we stare at that for long enough, then this has got to change us forever and we've got to come out of this different. And they want us to get back to normal as soon as possible so we still accept that that bullshit we were living in was normal. Yeah, they, they really do. And it's, it's insane how much they want that. I, I wish I had... I mean, I wish I had an idea of which way this is going. I, you know, in America, I think it's going to go really bad. I don't know what it'll be like in the rest of the world, but I think here it's going to be a, a complete disaster. Because they've already passed a bill, and it was just a giveaway to all the rich corporations and everybody who's bad. They're like, what if you guys have money? So they already, they already fucked everybody, and they don't, and they don't know. Our politicians still don't get how bad it is. Like our... Our Secretary of the Treasury, you know, Trump's guy, uh, Mnuchin or whatever his name is, he today said $1,200 should last people 10 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and then... <laughs> I don't think my dog could get by. 
My, pretend, my pretend dogs eating. definitely could not get by. Like that, it, <laughs> they eat such good fucking food. Although that I, that has been because I'm unemployed at the moment, and so you do suddenly go, "Wow, we do really buy the dogs real good chicken, yeah. don't we? <laughs> we? We're not just concerned about <laughs> the dogs and what they're eating. We're concerned about the chickens and the life they had before they became dog food. <laughs> we're, we're putting a lot of money back yeah. into caring mm. about these animals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I took my dog to the vet and, and it was like $500. And I was like, wow, that would, that would be half of one of those people's checks. Uh, so America's doing that, and then like you see Nancy Pelosi, and she was like on um, the late late show last night, and she they had her in her house, and she was standing in front of two eleven thousand dollar refrigerators, and she's like, "This is what I'm doing." And she opens it up, and she's got like twenty pints of twelve dollar ice cream, and it's like, "Do you know that people are starving? Like they just don't have a clue." Can you hear my dog? I can hear your dog. Does it, it's not interrupting the podcast, but dog, do you right. need to go and deal with the dog? No, no. I just want to make sure it wouldn't bother. Uh, no. Well, I mean, this this is a podcast where my dogs regularly interrupt the podcast. So I think an, <laughs> another true. dog on the podcast is <laughs> fine. Uh, but secondly, maybe just was happy to be mentioned. You know, wasn't interested in what we were talking yeah, about oh, up sure. until that point. But uh, then thought, hang on, they're talking about dogs and what yeah. they feed dogs. This is an issue that I'm interested in. <laughs> I have an opinion on this. Yeah, like... <laughs> Larry also likes ice cream. Uh, so anyway, so but they're just they're just detached from the reality of what's actually happening and how many people have lost their jobs and it's it's terrifying how uh, detached they are from. You would think that this would be something they'd be like, okay, I get it, you guys need help, but they're really they really don't understand how serious this is. Is it because that political class is just so disengaged from what it means to be an ordinary person? I mean, on a level that is. Yeah, You know, every year becomes more and more like even the socialist is a billionaire. You know what I mean? Like, like this is a system. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This, this is the world that they live in where the only socialist they have ever met in their entire life has a billion dollars. (laughs) So perhaps... (laughs) And he terrifies oh, them. Imagine if they met an ordinary person, how terrified they would be. I know. I know. He, they're, they're terrified of him. You're like, that guy's nothing. Wait till you meet a communist. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever heard of the word tanky? Because they're, yeah, you should talk to one of them. Um, so, obviously, America's response to COVID 19 uh, discuss. Like, how early oh, it's did- not great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that news is like that. <laughs> so, just, uh. just <laughs> much much like like infected people leaked out of your country because they weren't being tested because apparently there was no infected people there. <laughs> well, yeah, we don't have very many infected people because we don't test anybody, so that is helpful for the numbers. If you're worried about numbers, you just don't test. We're testing less and less people. Yeah, right. It's literally everything a country could do wrong is what we're doing. The governors, certain governors are doing a really good job. Mm. I think Californians is doing a pretty good job. I wouldn't say, uh, I wouldn't give him a huge, a, a huge marks yet, but he's getting there with the money stuff. Like he just gave 
undocumented people, 500 bucks. Like, so there's stuff happening that's, you know, he's realizing how far this is going to go, uh, I think. Uh, but the, you know, it's, we, uh, the level of anger against science is just astounding. Why, why are people so angry at science when science didn't do this and science also told us this was going to happen. So I feel like if you're science, you're like, hang on, we're the bad guys? I don't think we are the bad guys. Because we were the guys working along going, hey, literally in about five to seven years, this will happen. Uh, so this is how we've got to be prepared. And you ignored that and then it happened. So how, how is this our fault? Why are you angry at us? It's, uh, I mean, I would like to say it's only Trump, but it's clearly not Trump. I think that... I think the gas companies did such a good job of, of, you know, using propaganda to make everyone believe that climate science wasn't real, that it transferred on to everything else. Literally gaslighting the entire world. I mean, seriously. I mean, and, and, and every day I, I go on Twitter and I'll, I'll put in like Texas and hospitals just to see what people are saying online. And you just can't believe how fucking crazy they are. Like they are just like, this isn't real. We got to get out there and open stuff up. It's not real. And they're getting mad. And they're, they're getting angry. They had two protests today. They had a protest in Michigan and they had a protest in Ohio to make their governors open up their states. It, it's, just, it's just bewildering. There is something about that uh, performative, you know, uh, freedom, you know, that America has always had, right? Like the idea of that you value freedom more than anything else. And it is so ingrained in so many yeah. messages in your culture of like, you, you know, it is the land of the free, right? You're free to do whatever it yeah. is that you, you want to do. And I noticed, I think in America, probably more than anybody else, people were doing things like, not only would they not obey the medical advice to like stay indoors and like wash their hands or whatever, but they were literally going out of their way to do the opposite of that. Like, you're not going to tell me that I can't lick yeah. this toilet seat in the middle of this Arby's with 800 of my closest <laughs> friends because this is America. I had to tell my wife about the licking of toilet seats and she was just like, what? <laughs> like, What's, what? I mean, I'm just saying Thanos wasn't completely wrong. <laughs> Look, if anybody has been proved right, it, right in this whole scenario, it's him. Nobody is right or, more right yeah. than him. I almost said writer. It's not a word. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, I mean, the, the standard of embarrassing yourself over language has been lowered by the leader of your country. So, <laughs> <laughs> Have you watched any of his Man. press conferences? It's hard to avoid. It's hard, particularly because... Um, oh, so Amy uh, loves Michael Rappaport. Anyway, for good or for oh, ill. Oh, yeah, she sent me a video of his kid. She sent me a video of his kid <laughs> swearing his little baby. <laughs> he, she, she, we've become, you know, like when people are only getting their only information from like InfoWars with Alex Jones. Like we've become those people who are getting most of our political opinion from the US from Michael Rappaport's Insta stories. That's amazing. Because, man... Like, you know, you could play him, his brother in a buddy movie where you were the twin who didn't get any of the aggression. Like, that's like he is. I've never seen a man be more mad about everything. The level of madness that he has is, uh. it is intoxicating. But, but he, um, yeah, the Trump stuff, 
um, you know, you see on Twitter or over the internet. So I saw sort of highlights, lowlights, whatever you want to call them. But it, it does – this thing that we've all played for this joke, and when I say we all, I, I say that some people did it on purpose and the rest of us got distracted by other things enough to allow it to happen, like which was we let those – you know, contrarians, the professional contrarians or the people who would just say whatever they want. We we celebrated them for being rich and famous and breaking rules and, you know, not doing things the right way and being politically incorrect and all these sort of things and creating this environment where this fucking idiot got elected and you knew it, like, you know, like it, you, me, you with Trump and Amy with coronavirus are two things that me a little bit more sensible everything will be fine like two times where i'm just like well turns out my radar might be a little off maybe i have to start trusting but um but yeah so you put an idiot in charge and you can that can be amusing right up until the point where you suddenly there's this massive crisis on and and thousands and thousands of people are going to die unnecessarily just because he couldn't get his shit together and it's not it's not even he couldn't get his shit together he has he's doing what he wants to do which is mm. make money he wants to make money and he wants his friends right. to make money and i mean do you know what he's doing with the states where he'll uh, uh like california ordered 150,000 masks from a factory mm pays for them, and then uh, the feds come in and take them. And then he takes them, and then he puts them up for bid between all the states. He's literally making money off of the crisis. And, but that's who, you know, if you want a businessman to be your president, that's what a businessman does, right? Well, that's what that, business, that style of businessman <laughs> does. Yeah. And we had all... All the information available before that he was that style of businessman, like right. you know, you you can make an argument in a different universe that someone who has run a business might be a person you could put in charge of things. It wouldn't be the only thing that I would be looking for, because like I don't think that a country is just a fucking business. But you know, having some skills like running a small business or whatever might give you empathy into you know workers and employers and all those sort of things, right? But he was never that sort of businessman. No one thought we were putting that sort of businessman like you know in charge of America. Like he was always. The, the the classic, like, you know, Will Ferrell fucking used car salesman. Like, that was yeah. who he always was. And so yeah. I guess in some ways, like, he's the one who's always in some ways been, like, kind of honest, if you know what I mean. Like, of course he's, yes. you know, seizing these fucking goods and then getting the states to bid against each other because that's always been the way that he's done all his business. And so he probably does think that he is actually a genius because – he has literally gone, I can go, I could just sell used cars and like dodgy, you know, buildings and shit like that. Or I could just get in charge of America and fucking rip everybody off. And he's just done it. Like he has done he really it. Has. You've got to, you've got to yeah. give him that credit. He has done it. Yeah. He's totally done it. And you know, and, and, and the system was set up for him to do it. That's the thing that always astounds me is people are always like, well, he can't do that because you're not supposed to. I'm like, yeah, well, instead of saying not supposed to, you could have put an actual law uh, right. in the books that didn't let him do that. Instead of being like, what about manners? What about just decorum? Mm -hmm. What about act an actual rule that he can't do it? It's so, so, so many things that we, conventions, 
<laughs> conventions are rendered completely meaningless and useless when somebody just decides, oh, no, I, I just don't, I don't respect conventions. You can put as yeah, many but- don't walk on the grass signs as you want, but I don't fucking read. So, so yeah. you know what? I'm just going to walk on the fucking grass because that's what I'm the president. I don't give a shit. And, and then the crazy thing is, is the, the blue states are starting to fight back in an, in an interesting way. The um, California governor started using the, using the phrase nation state recently mm. for Cal- to describe California. Mm. Which is a, a a subtle threat saying at some point we might take and keep all our tax money. So you might want to think about what you're doing. And then California uh, created a pact with Washington and Oregon to open up this open up and let everybody out out of lockdown all at the same time when they all deemed it proper. And then uh, like six northeastern states did the same thing. And Trump lost his fucking mind because to him, they were usurping his authority, but they have to because he's not doing anything. So they have to band together as if, you know, to create like a United States situation. <laughs> so is there a chance that you guys go to war with each other again? Like, is it is it yes. that sort of thing? Uh, so it could happen if... He, because one of the things that cl- is clearly happening is like Florida is getting all of the PPE it needs and all of the yeah. hospital bed, everything it needs is getting, and then other states are getting nothing, and a lot, of, and then we're realizing that he's having these states uh, bid and compete with each other, and it's mostly blue states that he's seizing the property of. So at some point, I think that he's going to ask us to open up the country, and all the blue states are going to say. You know, go fuck yourself. We're not doing that. And then, and then he's going to, I would imagine, totally shut us off from any sort of federal support. And then, yeah, then it could become that. I mean, <laughs> I've told you I'm moving to Ireland, right? So, what are you going to do in Ireland? Because you're not, what well, you, you don't have the full confidence that. Joe Biden will fix it all when he gets elected? Joe Biden will make it worse. <laughs> I mean, could we have, could the Democrats, we, I didn't pick him, could the Democrats have picked a, like he's literally the worst candidate in my lifetime. Hey, look, I, I might be biased because clearly, you know, I mean, like my, everyone kind of, you probably understands what my politics are and what my worldview is. And I've met a lot of, you know, rich business people in my time and I haven't been impressed by too many of them. So, um, you know, I, I, I listen to a lot of American podcasts and stuff and I try to balance it out. I try to listen to an episode of pod save America as well, Dave, just to make sure that I'm, <laughs> I'm getting, uh, I don't, I don't think you should do that, uh, but yeah, okay. <laughs> a broad of you. Uh, but no, I like to balance it out just so I want to see where I want to see where the other pod because a lot of the po- podcasts that I listen to probably come from they were v- very much you know hoping that Bernie might get in and they were coming from that leftist perspective. So I'd like to then kind of you know at least dip in with you know what some other people are you know saying about it as well and see if I'm just being completely influenced by what I'm listening to or whether you know when I hear them talk about these other people, I still have the same reactions. And I tend to find that it rarely changes my mind. 
Like, if anything, it probably reinforces what, you know, the people on the other podcasts have said. So, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, now that you've complimented him, I do hate him more. You're right. Uh, all, your, all the things you're saying he will do are the things we should be worried about. That is actually, you know what? Yeah, that's good. I'm glad I listened to this. So, um, uh, Biden just appeared to be running a terrible campaign. Uh, and have so many things against him being the person that the Democrats needed to go up against Trump that when it was then entirely fucking rigged, because that was, well, at least that's what it appeared to be from the outside, was when the entire thing, the Democrats decided, hey, we're going to lose here to Bernie, so we've just got to now rig this. Like, so they just fucking rigged it, like in plain sight in front of everybody. Yes. And then... Yes. And then Biden's leadership during... This globe, any opposition, I understand the idea of like there's some aspect of you have to come together as a country and all those sort of things, but there is a way that you are still in the media every day and you're still show, showing mm-hmm. the leadership you would show if you were president. And this is a time of great national crisis. And, you know, while I support the president, here's what I believe we should be doing or we're not doing enough. And, you know, here's my alternative vision of what this country will be if you get me elected in December. Like, that, that's what the other can't, particularly when the person you're going up against is in the middle of something that they won't be able to explain away. There are going to be corpses yeah. fucking everywhere. And if you're the leader of the opposition, you can be making that fucking point. Like, you don't have to run after November. Let him call your fucking every name in the book. Like, that's what surely anyone who's in opposition in a time like this would be doing. And the fact that he has not been doing that proves just immediately that he's the wrong person for them to to put up against Trump. Yeah, it's very interesting to find out, you know, now we're getting a little, and we and everyone everyone who is a Bernie supporter knew what had happened, but, um, you know, it was Obama. Obama behind the scenes. First he went to, uh, I think it was Amy Klobuchar and told her to drop out, and then he went to Mayor Pete and told Mayor Pete to drop out, and Mayor Pete said no. And then the DNC the next day pulled all of Mayor Pete's funding and basically shut him down, so he had to pull out. And this was all Obama. And, you know, Obama decided, Obama, uh, that Biden had to be the guy. Uh, so he came in, you know, he still, has, he still has all the power in the party because everyone thinks he was the best president ever. So, you know, a lot of this is because 2016, nobody actually did a, you know, they didn't look at why she lost. And they just decided she lost because of racism in Russia as opposed to 30 years of neoliberal policies. So they don't they don't understand the danger of of even if Biden was at this point still competent, which I don't think he is. No, but they don't understand the danger. No, he's he's clearly has just horrific cognitive decline. Like he is like he he. there are times when he he puts together like a paragraph of words that come out of his mouth that none of it makes sense. Well, it's just a, it's literally a word jumble. He's 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 really old, man. Like, and I don't even yeah. mean that in a bad way, but he's too old. He's too old. He's he's yeah. he's at an age where he should have been retired from his fucking job for ten years. Like he's he shouldn't be going into a new job. Like that, you know, you should be maybe planting yeah. planting some new shit in his garden. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. Right, <laughs> writing a couple of nice op-eds and doing fucking opening some libraries and shit. But what the fuck? Are you serious? 
<laughs> he's an really old man. It's, it was really uh, so. You know, I've been on the left my whole life, and I, uh, there's never been a president that I've I've wanted to win that has won. Um, so you know, every Democrat's always been too right for me, but I've never seen anything like what happened in this election, where the media acted differently towards Bernie than any other candidate and just sat there and lied about him. And I'm not talking about Fox News. I'm talking about the the CNN, MSNBC, the Democratic media. The New York Times. Washington, yeah. uh, Washington Post, New York Times, all just lying 24-7. New York Times, 24-7, just lying, lying, lying. And then people go and vote for Biden because they think he's the most electable, but he is against every position that they believe in. All the Democrats want Medicare for all. All the Democrats want a new Green Deal. Every single exit poll, literally it's people saying, these are all the things I want, and I'm picking a guy who's against it all. Because they don't even know he's against it, because the media never said that. Well, the good news is he probably doesn't remember he's against it. If you get the right person in to advise him. It's, it's the most crazy thing I've ever seen in my life. It's just happy to be told where he is and what he's meant to be doing today. <laughs> Can someone get him a biscuit? Where are his moccasins? <laughs> oh, I know, but, it, but, the guy's, but the guy's going up against is really old too. Yeah, and mentally incompetent. We've already seen what happens if you let an old guy who can't remember shit in fucking charge of the shit. Why are we like going, well, he'll beat that other old incompetent guy? Maybe. He, may, he might not though. <laughs> so is this it? Have you, you know, it's a really bad sign for an election when you have to say to the Democrats... Congratulations on the pandemic happening because otherwise you would have lost. Like the only reason that he might win is because of the pandemic. The one old person who benefited out of the pandemic. <laughs> In fact, so, social, social isolation might be his best tactic in this situation. They might have chosen correctly. He can't leave the White House for the entire time he's in charge. Sorry, we just can't risk it. He's real old and frail. Yeah, man. So <laughs> I just hmm. always think of all the stuff that he's all the stuff he said during the campaign and just how if it had been any other candidate, he would have been eliminated because the media would have just rode him so hard, but they just ignored it all. I mean, he is uh, he's also a fucking he's a rapist. We have two rapists running against each other. It's mind-boggling. Yeah, but luckily they're also both old and and mentally deficient. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. 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 So anyway, it's good. Uh as soon as I I went into um I went into uh our bedroom uh like I would say a month ago. It's I, I can't tell time anymore because of how fast this has all happened, but I think it was about a month ago and I just had a I had a on my phone I had a video of Biden talking and it was right after he had I guess clinched it and I just showed it to my wife and she said Okay, we have to move to Ireland. She just watched it and she was like, yeah, we're done here. We can't do this anymore. Okay, so are you actually going to move to Ireland? Because, you know, there's nothing like a bloody person saying, you know, that I'm going to bloody move to another country and then they never move to another country. No, I'm, I'm, we're, we're both are. We're both like this is, I mean, I, people like me can get killed if this goes really badly. And, and when, and when authoritarianism comes or fascism comes, it happens really fucking fast. It's not, it's not a thing like we've been watching the buildup, but when the fucking 
craziness in the boot comes down, it usually happens really fast. And people like me are people they come after. Yes, they've done a very good job of setting up a system whereby it can be smoothly, fascism can be smoothly integrated into the system, right? Like, you know, so much of... Very, the, very, yeah. Right? Whereas, like, that's why they're so afraid yeah. of someone like Bernie who says this system's fucked because they're like, no, 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 we've been subtly, you know, moving the system this way so we can implement what we want for years. We don't need someone to come in and fucking smash it. Like, that is... Yeah, we want, yeah. We want someone who might believe different things to us but believes that the system should continue. And that's why the Democrats get dragged further and further towards the right because the system becomes further and further suddenly towards the right, right? So, I mean, yeah. for years, I was I was listening to um, your uh, one of your other podcasts, The West Wing Thing, uh, with Josh Olsen. Oh, yes. And uh, it's my favourite uh, podcast at the moment. I listen to it uh, as that, soon as it comes that, out. Uh, that, 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 kind of, that kind of amazes me. Did you watch Did you watch The West Wing? Is that... Or I watched the West Wing as a, a like a I would have been I guess in my like teens is that right like teens or like uh -huh. late teens or something like that loved it loved it like yeah. I fucking adored it right but it was also really weird to me because something that I've only seen in a different light since listening to your podcast was one of the things I've always said and what I always said when I was in America was even the right of the Australian political system is to the left of like what. Because what I had seen of the American political system was, you know, the West Wing, right? And it's presented as being this very progressive show about this progressive government. But as you explore a lot in your podcast, it, it actually isn't. And in fact, it's a, a very conservative yeah. show. And once you start picking it apart, you realize how conservative that vision was. And that was where I'd always set my thing was like, I would look at these issues and the way they dealt with them on the West Wing and go, oh, wow, even to the left of their party, they're still to the right of our right-wing party. Now, that's probably blurred a little, you know, in the last sort of 10 or so years in Australia as we've lurched a fair, yeah. a fair bit right. But but even just on that, that, you know, Medicare for all and, you know, basic safety net stuff and whatever, and just like abortion and stuff that we had at least dealt with a little bit, you know, better than America had at that stage and what well, probably still has, you know, there's still... Guns. Guns, yeah. you know, yeah. So there was some, some... But I loved it. I was I was a lover of the West Wing and I watched it... Again, a few years later as a comfort thing when I was going through something and like binged it all, got the, the videos, you know, like watched the whole thing, loved it. Then before you started doing your podcast, uh, it, it was on one of the streaming networks here. They had it all. And I was doing something at home and I was by myself and I thought, you know what? I'm going to revisit the West Wing. And then for the next three weeks, I would run into people who I knew loved the West Wing when I loved the West Wing. And I would say, hey, I'm re-watching the West Wing. And they would be like, oh, yeah, is it, is, it, is it still great? And I'd be like, I said, if you want to remember it great, don't watch it again. <laughs> because either, probably a combination of all these things, I had changed, the world had changed. I was just an older person looking through it with yeah. different eyes. But I wasn't listening to your podcast. I wasn't watching it to not enjoy it i was revisiting it because i thought i was really going to enjoy it and then episode after episode i yeah. would start to get really fucking angry about this show that i had thought was great when i was growing up and now realized was one of the most fucking terrible shows i've ever seen in my entire life and i couldn't work out <laughs> i still can't work out like 
Were we just under a collective delusion back then? Were we just told? Was it just such a different time? Has the world changed so much in all those years yeah. that those things now... And in some ways, maybe that's a really fucking great thing. But in some ways, it's obviously a really bad thing because what your podcast then explores is the effect this show, this this show that you can't treat as just a work of fiction from a different era because of the cultural effect it's had on the political class and the way politics are done. So this completely fictional and ill thought out and, you know, terrible messaging on so many different levels shaped a generation of people who thought it was like the Bible and the way things should have been done. And that to me is the cultural impact of that show Firstly, in a really like big way that people loved it, and now in a way where you see the fucking damage that show has done to the fucking world, like the political class and the way politics are done, and the debates we have around politics. You can't blame it all on the fucking West Wing, but you see no. where a lot of the worst of it at least has some of its origins and roots in the West Wing. Yeah, I think uh, you know it's interesting because as the West Wing was taking off you also had uh all of the political bloggers coming up and and all of the um the young washington guys so so it's not just it's not just the it's not just the the politicians and the insiders who sort of took a lead from the show but it's also the voices who then back them up they're all these guys online daily coast and all those guys they're all of that same ilk and so they really they should be questioning the politicians, but instead they're like, no, to get stuff done, you got to really take your time. And you know what? You can't have Medicare for all and you can't. So uh, the guys who also should be critical also came up at a time where they all watch it. I mean, we all know all of these, all of these writers, the Ezra Kleins and the Matt Iglesias and all these guys who have a voice in the American uh, media, particularly online, that they all like would say like I'm Toby I'm Josh and like pick their guys and they'd have watching parties and you know it affected everything and it, it's just kind of this animal that's eaten itself and the best article about it I think is uh, it was in uh, a magazine online magazine called Current Affairs online like there's another kind of magazine um, uh, and the article is called the Obama Boys and it's just incredible to read but it's like it's like you're reading about the west wing and it's led us here it just has it would sound like a conspiracy theory except that the people have admitted that it's true like yeah they are the ones they who have. have said it you know and suddenly you realize this fable you know it's like if you base you know being a dad on watching the fucking simpsons like it would destroy your parenting technique right yeah <laughs> Like, the show can be a show. That show yeah. can be just a fabulized version of how Aaron Sorkin would like to see politics be made. And it's his vision, and that's what it is. And there's nothing wrong with that. Somebody can kind of, here's my, you know, Ted Kaczynski letter, fucking, you know, brought to life over seven you know, seasons, right? You know, like, here are all my ideas and thoughts about the world of politics and whatever. Nothing wrong with that. If it hadn't, thank you. Thank you, my love. Hi, David. Hi. Um, I uh, texted Amy during this podcast and asked her if she would bring me a beer. <laughs> so uh, that's, 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 well. <laughs> we're, that's amazing. We're, 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 we're doing well in isolation. <laughs> we're, 
if you had if you had started your comedy career and said yeah. that would have been a part of it <laughs> twenty years ago. <laughs> I'll be doing a podcast with another guy in another country, and I'll text my lady in another yeah. room to bring You're me like, a beer. What? This is good. <laughs> um, yeah. So I have uh, really enjoyed. So the, for the first thing for me wasn't the the politics stuff, all that sort of. But it is very emblemic of the world that we've got ourselves into because it feels like. You know, politics is for nerds, right? And, you know, show business for ugly people. Journalism, the same thing. And every time they have a world where they can then see themselves on screen, it shapes that next generation, doesn't it? And then suddenly they are like, I want to be these people. Yeah, rather than. Because you can see the difference. And there's a couple of state premiers in Australia during this, much like there's some governors in America and there's some leaders around the world who, you know, you can look at and go, oh, you ran for president or prime minister because when some shit went down, you thought you would be the best person to be in charge to help everyone. And that's how they then act and behave and lead their countries. They're like, oh, yeah, you elected me to be the leader. So in this time when this country needs great leadership, uh, guess what? I am 100% on the case because this is the job you – like it's giving the ball to Tom Brady in the last minute of the fucking Super Bowl Bowl final. It's what you pay him the fucking money for, right? And some people step up in that moment and some people don't. But most of the ones who don't, are this managerial class of professional politicians who watch the fucking West Wing or similar sort of things and play politics rather than actually wanting to get into politics to change things and lead things and fix things and help people. Yeah, they don't they don't realize it's a dirty fucking game and and you gotta push your your ideology and you have to really beat people over the head for what you fucking want. Like it's it's a politics is a is a is a boxing match endlessly. It doesn't stop. And they think well, it's a conversation. Also, you know what? If and the other person was having a conversation with you, you can have a conversation. But there's no point trying to break out a conversation in the <laughs> middle right. of a boxing match. Some guy's punching you in the fucking head really hard and you're like, oh, that's <laughs> that's right. we can talk this out. I mean, surely we have more in common than we have differences. We're both boxers. We're both from marginalized communities. We scraped our way up. <laughs> no, stop hitting me. <laughs> Why are you still hitting me? I think the greatest example of that is Obama, I think it was right at the beginning of his second term, but he decided that he was going to screen a movie at the White House. It was just some, you know, he gets all the movies. So it was like, I'm going to screen a movie at the White House and invite all the Republicans from, not all, but a bunch of Republicans from Congress. And then we can sit around and talk afterwards. And he invited all the Republicans from Congress to watch a movie in the White House and none of them came. And he was like, it's shocked. And it's like, what do you think they are? They're, they're fucking burning. They're getting people to burn effigies of you in the fucking street. Like these, these guys well, hate at you. the very least, what you've got to do is extend the hand. And when the hand is not fucking reciprocated, then you go, all right, well, we gave it a fucking chance, but you then don't just keep inviting them to fucking, well, maybe they just didn't like the movie. Let's invite them again next week. <laughs> you know what? We'll go over there. We'll take a movie. Over there. You know what? In the name of compromise, we will get the movie and we will move closer to them. It was too far for them. No, that's fair enough. We just want them to see the movie. All right. They won't let us in. We'll show it on a truck out in the driveway. If they're not going to let us in, we'll drive over to their house. 
They're going to like this movie this time. It's the third movie. They're going to like we it. We will install a cinema room in their house. We will install a cinema room in each of their houses, and then we will go away. They can watch it in person. But I think that's a compromise, you know? We've come together. That's what politics should it's be. It's a great compromise. Yeah, the other big exactly. thing about the West Wing is the misogyny is just... Ah, so this is what I was going to say. Before I got to any of the politics stuff, the thing that I would keep having to say, because most of the people I ran into were women. I think at the time, yeah, it, it felt to me like a show that women really liked. And if they did. I said, and I said to them, I said, the thing that keeps striking me, and you know, me too had happened and a whole bunch of different things, but the amount of, firstly, just inappropriate workplace banter and conversation and you know power dynamics and these sort of things Mm -hmm. that were presented as comedy or presented as like romance and romances that at the time i loved and enjoyed you know so Mm -hmm. like challenged me to go back and go why didn't i see any of these constant red flags in the power dynamics and these sort of things a because the world we were presented was that there wasn't those sort of but there was this show isn't from 1960 you know it's not it's not feels it's, like it it's, is sometimes it's it, i know you know there's obviously clearly a lot of misogyny but it's it's really over the top even for that time period it's just it's really relentless and, and it, i think it just all plays into like to like what biden is like like biden is a guy who we had all seen for years making women and young girls uncomfortable by kissing them and touching them now he has rape allegations but it's sort of like, well, but he's a Democrat. Like, you know, we did this with Bill Clinton. Then their the favorite show of Democrats is insanely misogynistic. And now we have a presidential candidate who is a sex pest. So nothing's changed. Well, I mean, look, when, when you say it like that, it feels like nothing has changed. Sure. Because no, nothing had changed in the things you were saying. But, um, yeah, the, uh, the level of... Just casual sexism for a start, without before because you unpick on your podcast a lot. Yes, the actual misogyny. But I was watching it again, not with a critical eye. I was watching it in the background, doing other things as a kind of visit to a time that I had loved. And so, it was more the casual sexism at the start, and the stuff, and the power yeah. imbalance stuff. The whole, you know, um, relationship stuff was always. You were suddenly like, I don't know if this is a positive show to women. And it then makes you think about going, well, a lot of women like this show and women aren't idiots. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, as in like, that's how invasive it was in our culture. That sort of like misogyny that you could present yeah. something like that. And no one, women included really blinked an eyelid at it because they were just like, well, to be honest, this is the best we get. Fuck, if that was the best you were getting... Yeah, this is all it is. Right, then then you were being very poorly served. Yeah, it's the show we love. We're just getting shit on constantly. But that's mm. that's like our best option, is yeah. to just be treated like shit. That's our best to option. To be honest, compared to the way we're normally treated like shit, this is actually a real relief. We're very much enjoying the level of being treated like... <laughs> you'll barely notice that women are constantly being treated like shit because there's some other stuff going on. Yeah, it's it's bad, and it's and I, I mean I don't know what it's like after Sorkin. I I don't remember. I don't think I watched it then. But um, it gets bad for a year, and then it gets really better bad. again. 
but no, no but never better it never does. better in the ways that we're because that was ingrained into the DNA right. of the show by that stage, right? Right. I mean, you have a secretary pool of all women. You've got all the men in power positions. Like, it's just all set up already to be... The, the, the structure of the show is for men above women explaining to women very basic stuff. And you've got the Donna and Josh relationship, which is like one of these big, long-running, will-they-won't-they sort of relationships through the show. And she works directly under him for most of that time and is treated terribly by him N- not just as a woman but yes. just as an employee <laughs> like there's a whole lot yes. of levels and like you, you go he is a terrible boss and a terrible like support mechanism and human being to her for most of this fucking show and the only thing that makes it okay in our minds and our hearts is that at some stage they're gonna fuck yes he's gonna fuck the woman who works for him but he's completely <laughs> gaslighted and manipulated for eight series of this fucking show that's your payoff and we all loved it we all lapped it up and went isn't this one of the greatest romances ever in the history of fucking television this Stockholm Syndrome fucking romance. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing greater. I mean, there's nothing that pulls at the heartstrings more than watching a man belittle, badger, and abuse a woman verbally for six years and then getting to fuck her. I mean, it's so awesome. It's one of the great romance stories of all time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, okay. So, um, your your lovely wife uh, decided... We have to go to Ireland. Was Ireland something that you had previously been discussing anyway? We have been, I have been saying for a while, like this could get really bad. And so you should always, in the back of your mind, think of where you might want to go in case it gets really bad. So I've always been just kind of saying that stuff. And every once in a while I go in and go, so this happened today. So this is a really bad thing. And it's one of those signs that maybe we need to look at, like that kind of stuff. Um, so she's always been thinking about it. And then she's also been quite frankly radicalized by, um, everything that's going on, uh, you know, separate from me. I don't think I ever had any effect on her, honestly. Um, but she, she's at the point now where she can't talk to her friends anymore because her friends are just sort of classic LA liberals and they just don't understand why you would be so upset with the democratic establishment. They just don't get it. And so she can't have conversations with her friend, her oldest friends anymore because they look at her bewildered when she's like, we just need medical care for all. Everyone should have medical insurance. Like everyone should be able to go to the doctor. And they just, they're like, well, that's a lot to do. And so it's just that kind of shit. So, you know, she came to a, she came to a realization of like, well, the, the our, yeah, our refusal to, our refusal to have a conversation around basic human rights yes. is that the, heart of all these conversations I mean I think so like and this is why if you have any hope for this time it is that a lot of people are going to experience what the most vulnerable people in because this is my thing about wake up calls is like whenever you have a wake up call you've got to realize that for the people who are going through that thing it's not a wake up call for them also they've been noticing it and seeing it and whatever for years you've just been able to walk by them step over them you know lying on the fucking footpath yeah and you know like get on with your life because the world is set up in a way where you're like well i can't stop for every homeless person who's laying on the street right and so you become so conditioned to that that you just don't think about it in the way that you do until suddenly there's all these people who never imagined they were going to lose their job 
because it, it's not like they're bad at their job or you know they, it, their job just went yeah. away because of a global pan- pandemic and now they have no job and maybe for the first time ever in their life they're experiencing what it is like to be incredibly vulnerable and at the mercy of the fucking system is there any hope that having gone through that people come out of that you know going no this is something that everybody does well one of our friends who is in in a, a customer service job lost her job and was like i finally get what bernie was talking about like i i, I don't have health insurance now it was always tied to my job like she never she never got right. that concept of you want everyone to have health insurance because if you lose your job, your job's tied to health insurance, you don't have health insurance. Like she didn't get it until it happened to her. And now she's like, oh, but she also voted for Joe Biden. It's too late for her to change her fucking mind. Uh, So I think there are a lot of people coming around, but I also think it's, it's past that mattering. Like we're at the point where, where we're going to have mass riots because literally nobody has any food or, or a place to live like it's a fucking disaster well i'm surprised that looting hasn't really started already i think we're not there yet because i think that people had a little bit of money but have you seen the food lines oh uh, i mean yeah absolutely yeah yeah google food lines in america and it's like you cannot believe what you're looking at and so if there's if there's in pittsburgh there's a, a line on the highway of cars two miles long waiting for food what do you think is going to happen? Like that's going to turn bad because how many times do you go to a food bank before you go, I don't want to go to a fucking food bank. I'm a guy who had a fucking job and now the government's just saying fuck off and I have to get, I have to get food from some private place and they're giving me $1,200. Like people are going to start burning shit down. Uh, so I, I, I would like, yeah, people are going to be like, you know what I should do? I should, I should sell. I should sell my gun. Oh, hang on! I've got another idea now that I'm holding my gun. Yeah, that's the other cool thing is that everyone has a gun. So that's the. <laughs> I mean, look for for me. Yeah. It's like it's, it should be fun. It, I, it can't go one of two ways, and and it's going to. It's going to be fascism or socialism. There's no in between anymore. That's why the Biden thing is just absurd because. That's that's literally not something that's going to be able to function for what we need. Some guy who's beholden to corporations and then acts like he's going to do stuff for the working man. Well, when there's 40 million working men out of a job and you're acting like you're doing something for you, well, then they're going to fucking kill you in a big mob. Like, it's just not how it works. Well, they won't need a big mob. He's literally the oldest man on the planet. <laughs> they could fucking kill him by coughing in his direction. Just the shock of it will do him in. Like, who's the vice president? Who's who's going to be the vice president? Kamala Harris. And what would she be like as president if Joe just wanders off one day? Absolutely terrible. She'd be an absolutely terrible president. I, I, like, an example is, I, I saw her uh, tweet the other day, like, well, we need to give people tax breaks. Like, that's how she thinks. Right now, what do people need? You see, You see a car line of two two miles long on a road of people waiting for food to get from a food bank. Do you think they need tax breaks? I mean, eventually. (laughs) (laughs) She's bad. Um, I don't think any of them, I don't think any of the people that he picks have any understanding of the danger that they are in from shit just blowing up. I, I think they're so rich 
They're all so rich. They just don't know what normal people are like. They're so fucking rich. Well, because there has been this, while society is going, and this is the momentum of neoliberalism or capitalism or whatever, you know, whatever system of, it's not just those governments that are being affected by these, but they're just the worlds that we live in, the ones we have kind of a close-up view to, and we can see the symptoms of and whatever. It relies on it keeping going. It's what I was saying yeah. at the start. It's all these business councils and all these sort of people who are arguing for the economy to get up, back up and running because they're so worried that we might fucking stop down for a minute and realize that focusing just on the fucking economy, like the way that like, you know, things like airlines that were, you know, so happily and easily fucking like particularly so in australia you know went from having a national airline carrier to you know having a private airline you know and and suddenly you know you have all these worker you know situations and you have like you know blah 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 and then in this moment where they get all these government subsidies because they're still you know officially the fucking government carrier even though they're a private enterprise now then they fucking lay off everyone immediately and people are going well hang on maybe we need to renationalize our airlines and maybe we need to renationalize you know some of the financial system and these you know key operations because the truth about the safety net is that it seems like a real inconvenience you're paying for it until the moment you fall off the fucking trapeze right that's right like that that's that's the problem with the safety net it's really fucking boring and annoying if you're not using it yeah and then when you need it and it's not there then you're like oh that's why we had it yeah. Oh, now I get it. And and here in America, because like this, so this is crazy because you know because of the way that I don't know what you call them, but uh, uh, consultants or temp workers, we call them here. Um, uh, I don't know what they're called in England, but everyone has a different name for them. But it's basically you have a company, you don't want to pay health insurance or whatever or benefits, so you hire from a temp company who then pays the worker indirectly so you can get around whatever and then you can lay them off easier and all that shit yeah well there's 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 definitely heaps of versions of that independent contractors all sorts of things part-time we have a lot of that yes we have a lot of that in our health uh, care system so so you have uh nursing temp agencies so or just a nurse agency. So a hospital won't hire a nurse directly. They'll go to the temp agency and then hire the nurse from the temp agency. So they're paying the temp agency. The temp agency is paying the nurse. But the problem with that is the temp agency doesn't just do health care. They do all kinds of things. So all of a sudden they had a bunch of, they had a bunch of employees laid off. So now they have to cut back. So they're cutting back nurses and other people. So because of the way our system is set up, and it's this, this great neoliberal system of a way to get around taxes and benefits and everything else, we are at, during a pandemic, at the time we need people the most, we are laying off nurses and doctors because the private system can't afford them, particularly the way the private system is set up through a third party. It's a fucking disaster. Well, actually, maybe it's actually a plus because when they're standing in those food lines waiting for some food, they can actually treat some of the other people standing in line. They've got two hours. <laughs> no, they have to separate. They have to be in different cars. <laughs> maybe they're on like a moped, one of those old double bikes, you know, <laughs> just going by. <laughs> a little thermometer, heat monitor. Um, uh, okay, yeah. Well, so in Australia, part of the problem with the private and public health system is that like any system where you have 
public and private, like the schools, right? The problem is that you eventually, so that people will justify paying all the money for the private schools, have to make sure that they are that much better than the public schools. So you can't invest that same amount of money into the Uh public schools, right? If you just took all the money and didn't give any of it to private schools, you'd just make the public school system better and everybody would have the same opportunity, right? And... Yeah. The the mythos around those systems, like public and private health in Australia, has been exposed because the private health system is better, like a lot of the time. You do get better treatment because it needs to because you're paying for it, right? Yeah. But you could actually put that money back into, into public health and have just a better public health system for everybody and a slightly less good you know, uh, private health system for, for some people, right? It would still be a better system. Yeah. And, and in the system we're in, where we suddenly just need people to treat fucking COVID and yeah, test people... The, the private hospitals have been exposed because so much of their business model, because they're a private hospital, relies on elective surgeries, right? That's where they make their money. Elective surgery. But yeah, they're same cutting, thing here. They don't, they don't need people to get their fucking boob job or whatever right now. Like, they need people to, like, you know, yeah. go and treat people for yeah. COVID. Yeah, and that's why they're laying off nurses here. That's one of the reasons is because there's no elective surgeries. So now they don't need – now they can't pay those temp agencies as much. It's, all, it's a fucking right. shit show. I had no idea about the elective surgeries. Like I, I, I didn't realize that was such a big uh, profit maker. But obviously, if you think it's about it, it is how the system it's is just set a good up, system, right? And you don't pay any attention to it yes. until it suddenly doesn't fucking work at all. Like you know how we exposed ourselves, like because you, you and I know, and this is the thing. This is our practice run. The only good thing that could come out of this is that we work out some way to work together as a fucking planet to solve problems. Because guess what's coming for us in the next decade? Fucking problems. Like, it's not going to be this again, but it'll be some other version of this, right? You know, the country was on fire. The same people whose houses burnt down are the same people now dealing with fucking being self-isolated in the charred remains of where their house used to fucking be, right? Like, they were living in a caravan until they could move back into a house, and now they're living in a caravan. Like, that's their world that they're dealing with, you know, and we're going to have, before this is done, something else will happen, whether it is an earthquake or whether, I mean, fucking, you know, there's volcanoes exploding and there'll be other things that happen in the world (laughs) that aren't even related to this. When Krakatoa went off, (laughs) when Krakatoa went off, I was like, oh my God, really? How bad that? You're like, I didn't realize, has the world been canceled? Why are we speeding through these episodes? (laughs) <laughs> this is like the final season of Game of Thrones. There is like, I thought it wasn't. Seriously, guys, what are you? Like, they really saved it oh, all for the last like, act. Wow, the budget on this thing is amazing. Um, or not, maybe that's why everyone had to stay at home. A few episodes that are just in the apartment. So um, <laughs> it's... It's one of those, it's one of those disaster movies that, are, that take yeah. place in a house. Well, it is. I hate when I, I hate when but I it watch. Kind this. of is that it is, is what worst. we're we're in at the moment, and we we're in this world where right now could be the moment where, as a world, we say we're about to face a whole bunch of things, and we need to work out what went wrong during this, what went right during this, and come up with a better plan for the next thing that comes along, and how we're going to communicate, and how we're going to get information out, and who we're going to trust, and all these sort of things. Now that's your absolute best case scenario of what could come out of this right and i think for some people they'll at least personally come out of this with that sort of attitude of like i've seen the wizard of oz 
and he has been exposed to be many of the things that I thought were true and important have been exposed as not being true or important at all. I can never be the same person. Do we yeah. have the possibility that that could be bigger than that? And there's some sort of global movement that says enough, we've got to fucking reshape the world. Um, you know, if we are going to survive this fucking world. I think that, I think that it's going to be a, a combo. I think that some countries will have that happen and other countries will fall into the darker, uh, the fascism side of things. I think it's just going to split down the middle, kind of. I think you'll get countries that, and I think there'll be revolutions. I think the leaders will be overthrown and it's going to be a whole fucking thing. Um, I wish I was in a country that I had <laughs> But who knows? I mean, Amer this could be America's breaking point. I mean, that's the thing. But people always say Americans don't riot, and I always think, well, yeah, but once they do, oh yeah, they're going to be. They've been ready. They've been getting ready to riot for a while. They're ready to rumble. Everyone's <laughs> going to get a fucking Nana's going to get a crowbar really out of the biscuit tin, and people, it's just going to be the perch. Really I mean, that's what we need during this time. Has anyone suggested? You're not far fun. in the American commentariat, and there's been a few of them in Australia as well too, by the way, who just suggest, fuck the old people, let's get back to business. I know, I just saw a guy a guy said that the other day, the, uh, what I call it, genocide by grandparent or grand, grand, grandson. Uh, the, uh, those guys are coming out of the woodwork. All these guys are like, we should just, you guys, and it's not we should, it's workers should get back to work. And I'm like, well, yeah, well, then why don't you guys put on a fucking apron and head down to the grocery store and start bagging some groceries for a couple weeks? And, and that's why it goes. when you see movies like The Purge, you go, I can actually now see the guys who would be arguing for The Purge. Like, these are all purge arguers. All these people who've come yes. out and said, ah, fuck you, Nana, she's had a good run. <laughs> Let's go to the shops. <laughs> <laughs> They're all the I mean, guys who would be definitely what? arguing for the perch. Yes. We are literally at a time where there's a bunch of guys saying, let's just kill old people so mm. I can have more money. I just want to, I just want everyone to remember money's important. And if a few old people <laughs> have to die, then so be it. Had a fucking good run. And, you know, fuck old people. They're awful. I mean, but also, like on. How quick? We're two weeks into isolation and you've decided to kill off an old person. <laughs> like, you have gone to that real... What are you going to be like in a, like another week from now? I know. If this goes for six months, that's how the purge starts. This actually should be... that They should do the, redo the first purge <laughs> and it should start just through a six month of these assholes who two weeks into it, one fortnight, were like, let's kill Nan. <laughs> By fucking six months in, they're definitely arguing for the purge. I mean, the... How it happens so rapidly is the most insane part of it all. We let the old people out, and then you're allowed to purge them. I have to go to the store, or old people have to die. That's where we're at. Where's Nana? This is your this is your fault, bitch. <laughs> He's looking across from her. She lives with him. She's at the table. <laughs> You've had a good run. Sneers. <laughs> Makes toast. <laughs> Like, but that's the thing. Like, we have to, and oh, look, I, it, I the the entire system is set up by those who are most powerful and rich, and so yeah, it, it was going to be so difficult to overthrow that because so many of the things in place are set up to defend that. But in this moment where 
the rug has been pulled from under that? Is there a moment where there can be some sort of momentum seized by those who are just going, oh, I was sick of playing that stupid game and I did not like any of the rules and people were all fucking late behaving like idiots. Is there a different way we should be living our lives? Yeah, 100%. I think that, you know, we saw it in the Middle East in some countries, what was that, six, seven years ago? Uh, I think once it, I think once it happens in one place, well, now you gave people an idea. And once people have an idea, it's off and running. I, I, could, I could see it once it happens somewhere, it just lighting fires everywhere. Because people really, when people saw the yellow vests in France, they, a lot of people were really like, we should be doing that. And, and it didn't happen. But now if, if that happened, I think that people would be like, we should probably, let's put on a yellow vest and get out there. Like, I, I think that if anybody sees it happening in another country, I think it's on. So Ireland... Tell, well, tell me about Ireland then. What, what, what's, who knows what that looks like? What's Ireland? I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm Irish. So I've always had, you know, a, sort of a, a connection to it, you know, through family and whatnot. Um, my kid loves Ireland, fucking loves it. I love Ireland. I love the people. Uh, my wife loves it. So all three of us are like, and my son's always said, if I could live anywhere else, that would be it. So that's a big thinking. Also, I've, I want him to. I've always been looking for a place where he can still play baseball, <laughs> and they play baseball in places. Do they in play Ireland. baseball in Ireland? They do. Remember, they they hate the British, so they're not going to fucking play cricket. So, I mean, they do play cricket. They, they've actually got quite a oh, good they cricket do? team, and the captain of the uh, English team that won the captain of the English team. Well, this is a very English thing to do, but the captain of the English team that won the. Uh, World Cup of cricket. He was actually an Irishman that the English recruited. Well, to isn't that yes, different parts Ireland? of Ireland? I think do different yeah. sports. I'm not, yes, I might be wrong. I might be wrong, but I know I know that the Irish have uh, Irishly love America. So and Americans. So um, there's they've been picking up baseball a bit. So there's there's leagues and you know stuff like that. So that's a factor. And then they're just America is just a brutal place. It's just fucking brutal. Um, so they speak English, which is a plus for us. So we don't have to learn another language. It was weird for me because I came back a couple of years ago, uh, after having lived over there, you know, on and off for nearly 10 years. And, um, I always intended to come back. Uh, and then I just kept finding you know, reasons that I wasn't coming back. And I was just like, ah, oh, yeah, it just, didn't, I was like, I don't need to be there. And they've got some shit that they've got some shit they need to work out, and I think we've got to work out our own shit. So I don't know if I need to get all messed up in their shit while we're trying to work out our own shit here. I mean, if there's ever a time not to be in America, it's now. I had friends who have stayed, and I I I could not quite understand that because when people because we had conversations with them when this was all sort of kicking off about because my health insurance plan in America was always pretty much uh, if I start feeling like I have a serious medical thing, I will buy a ticket on a plane and I will fly back to Australia because that is the cheapest option that is available to me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, that, yeah, yeah. So, and I'll get great care yeah. and I'll be in a yeah, place where I'm comfortable. And I had a few friends came home, a few definitely came home and then a few decided to stay in America. And I was just like... I don't know, like with the way that 
they're handling the crisis and with Trump in charge and with um, just the general health system there, you know, considering that it's a virus where you get sick, I just would have... I, I would I would have personally come back to Australia. I'm happy to be in Australia during this time. You know, I, I'd be happy to be in New Zealand. Don't get me wrong. Did you did you consider New Zealand, Dave? Because if God. I was buying at the moment, that if I was country shopping, I'm not. I'm happy to be back in Australia. But if I was country shopping, I think New Zealand would be on my shopping list. God, if they played baseball, <laughs> it probably would be. Did you consider Australia? Because we play also, baseball the, in Australia. Where... Uh, I, you know, if there was another country I'd go to, if if the world wasn't the way it is, I would go to Australia in a heartbeat. But there's two things about Australia, and one is that you guys seem to be going down the path we're on a little bit, and then two is climate change. Yeah, okay. Well, that yeah, you're right. Like, it is tough to sell your house when it's on fire, but... <laughs> Yeah, well, that's the fear because here's it's what I would as, suggest with, with Corona, and this this might be one of those predictions that is very quickly and easily proved to be complete bullshit. So, um, but it seems like we're getting a handle on it here. You know, we have a lot of geographical advantage. We're an island and all those sort of things. So, um, and despite mm-hmm. I think mostly through um, luck rather than particular good leadership, um, I think. At the moment, if we don't fuck it up from here onwards by going back to work too quick or any of those sort of things, we've at least worked out a way to put a lid on it and work out, you know, our cases are going down. I, I might be wrong, but it seems like just looking at it from the outside, you guys were more on your own. Like, we should go inside. And, like, it was less about the government doing it than you guys as a society saying, hey, let's take care of this and stamp it out. That definitely started. There was a certain element of society. Well, I came back from the Adelaide Fringe when we were still doing shows, but the Melbourne Comedy Festival had been announced, cancelled on the last Saturday night of the Fringe. So that Saturday night and that Sunday... Weird shows because you're in a tent with a whole bunch of people when other festivals already said you shouldn't be doing this. Like it is a and some and yeah. some people didn't come. And I said at the time, I said, well, well, I guess I said uh, I I called them cowards originally, and I said, oh, or maybe they'll be the survivors. We'll find out in a couple of weeks, I guess. And it, <laughs> it turns out they were probably right. They'd made a good call to take an day early. Um, but after that, I I had a little bit of a cold and I couldn't get a COVID test, but I had a lot of the symptoms. So. Um, they thought it was probably just the, the regular flu or whatever, but um, I self-isolated from then because I didn't want to go and get anybody else sick regardless. Yeah. So before it actually became something that you then had to do, it was probably, I'd, I'd probably been doing it for nearly two weeks myself anyway. So I was already, yeah, I think there was a few people by then who'd already just decided we're going to, we're going to do this, particularly if... Yeah, I did that. If your employment, for us, like all the comedians and stuff, suddenly if we're being told we can't do shows, then you're like, well, why would I leave the fucking house? <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I pulled Finn out of school two days before uh, before they went on spring break and... And uh, and you know we we uh, we canceled our shows. I knew as soon as I knew as soon as we had done our last show, I was like, yeah. we're, "We're not going to do another one. They're all going to be canceled soon." Um, yeah, yeah, so I isolated pretty early compared to most people. Um, so yeah, uh, so I think that Australia's Australia has a chance at the moment, the way it is, to be hand end up handling this quite well part of it just being that we can you know shut the borders right yeah. and then we can control what happens in, inside there 
But if we do, oh, if Scott Morrison like gets his kick out of this because through yeah, a bit of luck that he handled it well, then we have the same idiot who didn't handle the bushfires at all, yeah. like in charge of our country for another, you know, three, four, five, six years because, you know, he managed to fucking fluke his way through, you know, this. And then we're in trouble because the, the, this hasn't fixed the environment. The environment's still going to be a massive problem when we have time to get back to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not changing. And, and in America, this is looking like it's going to be the worst hurricane season in years because the Gulf of Mexico is hotter than it's ever been. It's never been this hot. It's like a couple of degrees hotter than usual. So that means hurricanes. So we're going to have hurricanes that are going to affect the ability to socially social distance. But have, we, have we explored the idea, though, that um, hurricanes will help with social distancing because they will, <laughs> by the very nature of... They will what? Well, I mean, if they've destroyed entire neighborhoods, I mean, it's hard to... <laughs> I mean, you put it like that, it makes yeah. complete sense. They're the ultimate social distancer, hurricane. I feel like you should be on Trump's team. I mean, you're coming up with ideas. Let's get the hurricanes in here. Let's get some fires in here. I mean, seriously, purge old people. Somebody write an op-ed by that. By, by the end of this month, purge old people. How, how fucking sad but fun is that movie? Just killing old people. What I would like about it is that ban guns. You don't let people use guns, right? Yeah, yeah. You're like, this is our first purge. But Cricket they're bats. old. Well, it's like, you know, Tiger King or whatever, right? Like they fucking drug the tiger cubs so that you can get a photo with them at the zoo, right? This is the equivalent of that. Our first purge, <laughs> it's just old people. <laughs> so some of them will fight back. Like Clint Eastwood's going to have a gun yeah. or two. But like yeah. the rest of them, are gonna, there's going to be some easy kills for those who want to go on their first perch, you know? <laughs> there's going to be some very easy kills. Yeah. And that's how it, the training should start with old people. Well, the first purge should but always a couple be hunting of war, old people. There's going to be a couple of like war vets and stuff. Like there's going to be a couple of people yeah. who serve some time who are old and are going to rambo it up. But that makes it a little bit fun. I mean, because how long can they go before they need a, a nap or whatever and have to lay down? <laughs> and then you just and then you just hit them on the head with a hammer or whatever, yeah, <laughs> or a rock, or you could pick up one of your little. Uh, your little snakes, they look like sticks and have them bite them. Just be great to see them try to get away from you on, on an electric scooter. You know, just like... It's <laughs> like a... You're just, you're just walking behind them. <laughs> walking with a hammer. Just at any moment. <laughs> yeah, I know your battery's going to run, run out soon, Grandma. Oh... <laughs> Oh, so I never, I never answered. So here's my, here's my yeah. answer on moving out of the country. Uh, yes. I, I, I was convinced that if, uh, if Biden won, well, first I was convinced Biden wouldn't win until the pandemic came. But if he wins, it buys us a little bit of time. If Trump wins, I got to get the fuck out of here. And my wife's totally with me on that one, like immediate exit. But Biden buys us a couple of years, but. Biden leads to a worse uh, fascist, which is fine. What's the political situation in Ireland like? I don't know much about Irish politics at the moment. I mean, they just, uh, Sinn Féin just won an election, so they went more left. Like, while other countries are going right, they went more left. Um, they, uh, they just, as soon as the pandemic hit, they 
completely nationalized all their health care. I guess they had a split system. Now it's just all nationalized. Like, so there seems to be an intelligence happening there. Um, you know, they're pretty upset with what Boris Johnson's doing. But I also don't, I don't want to live in a country anymore that uh, destroys the world. I don't want to be a part of that. I want to be looking at that from the outside. I mean, they have a lot of terrible tax havens in Ireland. I do know that, though. That is, like, a lot of, yeah, a lot of, you know, they uh, kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Panama Islands of, uh, uh, of Europe. Well, England, England, England has actually become that now. They are the number one place to do all that business. Well, I mean, the market has always been. This is people don't really kind of think about it, do they? But but it is that that British market, you know, the British money market. You know, in some ways, we always think about Wall Street, but we don't really necessarily concentrate on the fact that it, it's very much like that through through England as well. Yeah, I had no idea until recently. England's looking good though. <laughs> Everything is so fucked. Hey, you know what? It turns out England and and uh, their and the places that they colonized mostly didn't work out. That well, great. also, I, I actually had uh, Amy, Amy's dad. We were having a conversation around uh, politics, and uh, he was um, he he was saying to me, he "Goes, oh well, I know." He was talking about uh, spelling jail with a, a, a G rather than a J. Right, and he, and yeah, he was yeah. actually that's where it started. He goes, "When do we start spelling uh, uh, jail with a J and not with the G?" And I was like, "I reckon at least twenty years ago." But anyway, like, <laughs> I think I don't think that's a brand new one for Australia. <laughs> but yes, we did used to use the old traditional English spelling. He goes, "Well, it's the Queen's English, isn't it?" And I was like, "Well, yeah, but like, weren't Britain just a terrible imperial power that came to this country?" And we're like, "Why do we judge that over America being a terrible imperial power who's doing this?" Like, I mean. They're both terrible. Is my is my point? Like we, one's not yeah. much better than the other. And he was like, "Well, yeah, they're not much good now." And I was like, "Yeah." And I reckon you could ask a whole bunch of other countries back in the day, <laughs> and they'd be like, "I don't reckon they were much good either." So, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a lot great going on back then. This whole approach is a bad approach, is what we're saying. Like this whole idea that you think your <laughs> way is good enough that it should be everybody else's way has throughout history been the thing that like really pisses off a lot of people. So let's just stop that. Let your way be your way and it doesn't have to be anybody else's way. It's fa- it's fascinating that we've gotten to this point where I, and I think people on the left realize like, oh, it was the indigenous people of all these countries that had the answer to all of this the whole time. Uh, like, you know, it, it's the the way we're doing everything is wrong. And the, if we had just gone with what the indigenous people were doing, this would be a whole different well, world. I was doing a philosophy episode with Briggs, the indigenous Australian rapper and comedian and writer. And he's um, he was he was uh-huh. saying this is and this is absolutely right. He goes. The government warning came out saying, if you're over 70, don't leave the house. And of course, if you're an Indigenous Australian and you're 50, don't leave the house. And that just goes by as one of the warnings. And we don't all just go, hang on, what did you just say then? Did you say 70 for everybody, but 50 for Indigenous people? Is that something we should be talking about every fucking day? That the original owners of this land have a 20-year less life expectancy than the rest of us? Should we not just fucking breeze past that so quickly? Yeah, it's fucking crazy. I mean, the people who are dying here right now, and it will probably change, but um, it's it's black people. Black people are dying in droves, and that's what it is, and it's unbelievable. 
Uh, what would cool. you do in Ireland? What do you do? Do you just do the pod- podcast in Ireland? Podcast. Yeah. Do you replace Gareth with some well, Gareth local? Come with me. Does he have to? No, he he oh, would he come, come with. He's ready to get out. He's he's ready to yeah, come. Yeah, yeah. He, I assume he live in the. I assume he live in my garage. I don't know what that plan is. <laughs> yeah, he no, wants out. We're too. an extended family. This is my wife. This is my son, and this is my podcast partner. <laughs> we're all moving. Oh my god, we just what what we just made a sitcom. We've applied for the podcast. Well, that's what you do. You sell that sitcom to the BBC. Betray Ireland. Screw the It's not big enough. Uh, we'd like to apply for amnesty. Uh on what on what grounds? Well, we're kind of like a sitcom family. I mean, it actually would be that's, it that's actually our... would be a good sitcom. So your sitcoms set around the fact that you moved to Ireland. One of those kind of great whimsical Irish sitcoms about an American guy who flees American politics and brings his family, but also his podcast partner to come and live in Ireland. And then that's your show. Oh, there you go. That's your career in Ireland. Just do that. There you go. We got it. Get Tommy <laughs> Tin and the it or something. You know what I mean? Get like a big Irish star. <laughs> we can do an Irish version of the dollop because... They've had some bad stuff happen there over the years. A, a couple of things, but yeah, it's all in the past. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing that scarred them no, or no, anything, no, no, but no, just no, some minor People things. are fine with it. Bring it up whenever you want. So, certainly don't check allegiances before you wander into a conversation, chin first. No, no, it'll be fine. No way that could get you in trouble. It took my son one trip to Ireland to realize that he hates the English. Oh, really? What was it in particular? He just heard about the history of oh, Ireland. Okay, yeah, sure. No, no, that, well, that'd do it, I suppose. It's obvious when you say it out loud. <laughs> Take a couple of tours and, and there you go. Sure. That's right. it. Okay. I'm getting a very anti-English bias from all this information. Um, all right. So, uh, how are you spending your time in isolation? I assume you're pretty much in isolation. What, what are you? What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. I'm in. I'm in total isolation. I, I, it's so hard to work. Are you have? Are you having? Have you tried to work at all? Or are you just not doing anything? I haven't tried to work much. I've had a couple of days of creativity while, I, like, I wrote a TV pitch while I was trying to bake some biscuits, uh, like cookies, yeah. as you guys would say. Or I think in uh-huh. Ireland, they would probably say biscuits. It's an They'd probably say biscuits. Yeah. <clears throat> but anyway. I think they would. My nana died, and I, I, I wanted to bake something oh, just, okay. like, in her honour. And um, so I was cooking some biscuits, and uh, unsuccessfully through to successfully, it was a real evolution of biscuit. Uh, it, it was like a real <laughs> chart of like, ooh, that was not, a, ooh, and it got, that got better and better. It did get better. But uh, during that time, I had a lot of downtime as I perfected my technique. And I had, I've had this idea in my head for ages about something that, oh, you know what? I was listening to a podcast and it was about the lack of opportunities this like great young generation of Australian comedians have kind of had to be introduced into the mainstream. And I was like, oh, I've always had this idea for this show that like would have a role in it that would be able to showcase, you know, sort of that next generation of talent in Uh the way that like shows that I was on when I came through like good news week and stuff like that gave you that six seat on the panel where it was always for a new person and it gave people the opportunity to sort of like, you know, start building their career. Right. 
And yeah. there's not much of that around in Australia at the moment. And I've always had this idea in my head. And huh. so like it all came out of my head just in one day and went onto the paper. But that was the only thing that I've done in the entire shut down like i yeah. just had one day where one idea came out i mean mostly i try to uh i try to write but i it's i just find it like pulling teeth right now it's just not not working uh yeah so uh I, i've had to write a dollop uh a couple of uh, two dollops i think uh it was very hard uh but hopefully i can soon you know start writing again and get into some kind of groove oh you will but i think it's like also important to acknowledge that these are unusual times and sometimes just that idea of like yeah. you see the people who are really trying to just be like everything's normal and i'm doing all these things and look at my schedule and everything's like really fine you're like yeah but man this could be going on for months like you might want to just pace yourself a little <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah yeah, for sure. <laughs> it just feels like you're not really acknowledging well, the broader context of what's going on yeah, I think I think particularly in I think particularly in the U.S. It sounds like you guys are in much better shape, but um, I think particularly in the U.S. we're gonna we're gonna be in for a long time because of the because mm. of the right wing guys who want to go out and like pretend like it's not happening. Well, there's plenty of those here as well, so who knows which way it'll end up going? But yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, hey, uh, we should finish up, uh, but it's uh, been lovely to catch up with you. Uh, we it turns out there was some stuff to talk about, yeah. so. Uh, That's right. <laughs> filled in the time. Uh, you don't know until you start. You don't know until you start. Uh, how did you feel? Uh, uh, here's what I was going to say about the West Wing thing. If I don't say it to you on the podcast, I'll forget to say it to you in real life. Is I am okay. hoping that you are going to get to a point where you're recording them a little bit more in real time. Because I think what has, yeah, yeah. has made that show really interesting is not just talking about the individual episodes of it but then being able to use that as like a framework to discuss whatever things kind of happening in politics and for me that's when it's at its best and often you're doing that it's like two months later and i'm like oh they're right they but it would be really nice to hear that in a bit more like real time i think yeah so we get back uh to speed or back into real time i think uh, I think next week is when we'll be recording again uh, back on our time, sort of. Because we realized that we were like, oh, we're saying shit and the world is changing so fast. And the reason we were doing it is because I was going on tour. So we had to, you know, we had to bank them. But now I'm not going anywhere. So easy to do. Well, that's always one of my favorite bits. But there is some joy also in hearing some prediction about something from two months ago, which also there is sometimes you're like, oh, well, not bad. Know, like he predicted Epstein, so he got that. <laughs> <laughs> I think what, and I'm like, yeah, I remember that yeah. that candidate named Joe Biden who's yeah. not in the race anymore. <laughs> Whoops. Ah <laughs> uh, man. Um, all right, man. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, the dollop, the West Wing thing. Uh, check those out, uh, obviously, and. Um, Maybe I, we can talk again another time. Yeah, I mean, we're both around yeah. now. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I thought this podcast might have been over. I did. I did actually because I hadn't, I barely done an episode like in the entire year. And I was like, oh, well, maybe oh, I'll just yeah. stop doing it. You know, like it, you know, it, it does. And yeah. then now it's back. Everyone's at home. 
<laughs> it's back. Yeah, <laughs> everyone's at home. There's nothing to do with the podcast. <laughs> I mean, I'm pr- I'm pruning yeah. trees. So uh, that's that's where I'm at. So if you want a podcast, I'm yeah, I've, uh, yeah, I've, I spent six days trying to balance a washing machine unsessfully. So <laughs> happy to chat anytime. <laughs> thanks, man. Uh, <laughs> all right, thanks. See you later. <laughs>